and welcome to UC Today. My name is Kieran, and for this session, I am delighted to be joined by Dr. Scott Allen DeVoe, Practice Lead of Law and Policy at Allen DeVoe. Today, we are discussing protecting business data from the next generation of cybercrime. Scott, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Before we dive into how we exactly protect business data from the next generation of cybercrime, can you please tell us a little about yourself, Scott, and the work you do with Allen DeVoe? Sure, absolutely. So I work to help companies safeguard data and to comply with complex laws. When I talk about complying with complex laws, you know, years ago, many of us in the UC industry, we collected data in mass and we did pretty much whatever we wanted to do with it. But today the landscape has changed for data management. Uh, the rules have changed, you know, the stakes when dealing with data uh, are a higher risk, you know, risk of a data breach, risk of reputational damage, risk of, you know, regulatory investigation, risk of customer attrition when breaches happen, you know. But the biggest risk, I think, to businesses today with all these new laws is not being able to play and participate in the larger opportunities, you know, the, the bigger wins, the, the Fortune 1000 plays, unless your company can evidence that they comply with data protection laws uh, and best practices. It's like this analogy. You know, when I was growing up, my father built businesses that remodeled, uh, uh, he built a business that remodeled hotels. And, and his special sauce was being able to remodel a hotel without closing it down. He would do Hilton's and Hyatt's and Marriott's. And his companies would, his company would go into like floor seven and, and remodel that floor without affecting the floor above or the floor below. Uh, and then he would move to the next one. And, and that's kind of what we do in this particular space. We go into a business and we help them implement a data protection program that complies with laws and regulations. And we remodel the whole enterprise, but we do it surgically and carefully, floor by floor, area by area, without really affecting the, the overall business. Perfect. And and I think you, you touched on there the more like holistic trends that we are that are affecting digital growth and the work you guys do to, to help companies <laughs> navigate the, 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 the sweeping scale of digital growth in 2023. So what, what are you finding to be the key trends in digital growth, especially with the exponential volumes of data being produced at an accelerated rate at this stage? I would say that there's several fast moving torrents on the data protection front. First, we have the United States. It's, it's awakened, we can say, to the domain of data protection. I think that's significant because the U.S. is certainly a leader in technology and innovation. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the world's data is actually ex exported to the U.S. for storage and processing. And the, U the U.S. is no stranger to security best practices, but I would say it's catching up and it's running fast to catch up in the realm of privacy. A lot of people don't necessarily even know the difference between security and, and privacy, if you don't mind if I could touch on that briefly. Security is about keeping secret things secret, you know, encrypting data at rest, encrypting data in transit, you know, using strong passwords, uh, creating perimeter defenses. You know, security is also about keeping available services available. That's part of security. You rush a loved one to a hospital and you, you assume that that hospital's trove of Systems are online and ready, you know, heart monitors and CT scanners and infusion pumps and so on. That's all part of security. But privacy, when I talk about the U.S. is catching up on privacy, that's a that's a newer concept. Um, uh, privacy is about have you have you ever wondered what information Facebook knows about you, you know, how they got it, where it's stored, 
uh, how long they're planning to keep it, maybe with whom they've shared your information. You know, these aren't matters of security, they're matters of privacy. Most Europeans have these rights, but most Americans don't. And they're becoming aware of that uh, uh, trend and they're demanding it. Privacy is about the right to be able to correct information about yourself when, when you can prove it's in inaccurate. Privacy is about the right to erasure, you know, forcing a company to delete information that it knows about you. Uh, privacy is about the right to object to certain types of processing. Privacy is about the right to object to profiling um, in certain circumstances. So these things are, are, are matters of privacy, not security. And when security principles and privacy come together and are conjoined together, that's when we get data protection. And we're now living in an age of data protection. So, so a trend is the U.S. is catching up. Twelve states have now passed comprehensive privacy laws, and all the other states are debating uh, bills that are going to become laws. So that's, so that's a key trend. I'd say another trend uh, beyond the U.S. are the international privacy laws. The United Nations now reports that 137 nations have enacted some form of data privacy laws. The Gartner Group says that about 5.2 billion of the Earth's population is covered by some form of data protection law. So that's a trend. I would say a third trend uh, are the new heightened requirements that are being levied upon UC operators and cloud service providers. What do I mean by that? What are when these bigger deals organizations have to demonstrate that they've implemented proper data protection programs that are independently audited, uh, independently certified. Otherwise, otherwise um, it's, it's, you're not going to win those deals of a Fortune 1000 company or even a Fortune 5000 company. Companies are becoming very strict uh, about who can touch their data. And here's why. Article 28 of the GDPR compels these companies that are wanting to outsource the processing of their data to give sufficient guarantees that technical and organizational measures have been implemented for the protection of that data. And that's a strong phrase, sufficient guarantees. Uh, but that's what a data protection program does. It implements sufficient guarantees. So to win that contract, you have to demonstrate that you comply with laws uh, to minimize data breaches, which brings me to point four, the recent trend of data breaches. Of course, those are two words that no CEO ever wants to hear. Data breach. Uh, I think it was the CEO of British Airways that had to step down due to those two words, Alex Cruz, uh, data breach that exposed a lot of customer data on his watch. CEO Greg uh, uh, Steinhaffel was leading the department store in Target when it had a data breach, losing 40 million customer credit card numbers. CEO Richard Smith was at the helm of Equifax when a massive data breach exposed the personal information of 147 a million individuals. So there's no doubt that data breaches are certainly trending upward. It's happening at a time when companies are moving all their data in, into the cloud. Yet the, the destination of this data, many cloud service providers, they haven't understood how to properly protect that data uh, by building a data protection program. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we see, see data breaches trending upward. I'd say the fifth trend that I'm watching uh, is that data is being created at an accelerated rate, meaning there's more data to breach. So, you know, with the daily creation of UC data and AI data, you know, data is being created at a faster pace than ever before. 99% of all the world's data, interestingly, has been created 
in the last 10 years. And actually the pace is accelerating. And my last point, speaking of AI, which is my favorite topic, it's contributing to data being produced at an accelerated rate. And it, it's certainly a trend that we need to watch. So all of these forces are expanding what's called an attack service. And every organization has an attack service. And the more data that, and, and the more services that an organization has, the larger the attack surface that a bad actor may target. And it's, um, you know, it's attracting more bad actors. And that's a perfect lead into my next question. When you're, you're, you're talk, talking about these bad actors and how prevalent they're becoming, can you explain in a bit more detail who these bad actors are and where they've emerged from? Yeah, certainly. So bad actors in the cybersecurity domain have many different names to, depending upon the kind of bad actor that they are. You know, the, the one that many people are probably most familiar with are cyber criminals, and that just means there's, they're, they're criminals working in the cyberspace. They're usually motivated by financial gain. Um, you know, they're usually involved in ransomware attacks where they hold, they get into your business and they hold your company or an institution hostage until they get paid. I recently spent all weekend working with a team on a real ransomware attack. You know, they left a ransom note. There was a tour address to be able to communicate with them, which we did. Uh, and the threat is usually to destroy all the data if you don't pay them um, or to uh, release all the data to a public website, um, you know, and so you end up engaging in these proof of life negotiations where the, the cyber criminals demonstrate to you that they actually have the goods of being able to evidence documents and knowledge that they shouldn't have. So those are cyber criminals and, and they're a type of bad actor. Then you have hacktivists. They're usually politically motivated like um, Edward Snowden, uh, who had a political or social objective to, to bring attention to his cause. Uh, then you have nation state actors. Those are hackers that are organized and sponsored by nation states like uh, Russia or China or North Korea or Iran. Um, had to deal with nation state uh, actors uh, this year. They're really well resourced. They're highly sophisticated, well organized. Their motivation is usually uh, espionage or disruption or you know some some strategic advantage that they're trying to, to gain. There's insider threats. They're a type of bad actor. Some malicious, some sometimes is due to negligence, but you know sometimes the motivation here for an insider threat uh, is uh, just revenge. You know, somebody leaves the company on bad terms. You know, they have knowledge about how to infiltrate the company. Uh, maybe the company forgets to uh, to close down their privileges, and they become a threat. You know, to the enterprise. Then there are terrorists. We're actually seeing terrorists now uh, involved in hacking, and we call them cyber terrorists. They create fear, you know, they create disruption and, and uh, they they work to advance some kind of a ideological uh, objective. And, and finally, the, the last kind of bad actor is what we call script kiddies. And they're often younger individuals. Maybe they have less skill and they're just kind of getting into to hacking. Um, but they're equipped with these really powerful tools that do most of the work. And, and the motivation here. Usually it's curiosity or it's maybe it's proving themselves or maybe it's uh, mischief. And a script kitty, they, they point these powerful tools or digital guns at a cloud service and they can actually do significant damage. So those are uh, script kitties. So, so yes, bad actors are certainly becoming prevalent. Uh, and those are some good examples of them and what motivates them. Perfect. Oh, thank you. That, that's really comprehensive and it's, it's very helpful just to 
nail down the spe- what the specific terminology and definitions of these these bad actors are. But I think turning towards how these will specifically impact businesses, and you mentioned that you were working with with the with the customer about um, about a cyber criminal. But what specific challenges can these bad actors create for businesses? Oh well. I would say that regardless of what kind of bad actor that might be involved in a situation, nothing good ever comes from it. Uh, it, it definitely creates challenges for, for a business because bad actors, in the end, they're trying to disrupt the business operation and they may. You know, They're trying to compromise sensitive data and they may. They're trying to inflict reputational damage. They're, they're trying to foster customer attrition or certainly if they're successful, it can result in fostering customer attrition. Um, you know, it can entangle the, the business and regulatory investigations. Um, you know, it can embroil management and, and the defense of lawsuits as opposed to focusing on moving the company forward in, in uh, you know, some strategic direction. And it can place a heavy financial burden on the checkbook because you have to deal with all this fallout from a bad actor. So, so I would say there are definitely serious challenges that could embroil any business that isn't prepared for, you know, an attack by a bad actor. And it's prop- it's a proper data protection program, actually, that prepares a business to be able to weather any storm uh, that a bad actor may launch, um, you know, towards its way. Perfect. And I guess we've we've tackled the, these worrying trends, but of course, uh, both Alan DeVoe and the broader culture of things, what are some specific solutions that business can adopt to address these significant issues? Well, I, I would say that all roads, um, you know, to safeguarding data and, and aligning uh, your business to win bigger deals begins with building, you know, a proper data protection program. And that, that would be a specific solution. So because without without a, an adequate data protection program, the bis the, the risk of your business falling prey to a cyber attack is 100 percent. You know, it's only a matter of time. Now, I've dealt, I think, with over 70 data breaches this year alone, dissecting how they happen, uh, interviewing the stakeholders, documenting the, the chronology, writing incident reports. And every breach has its own narrative, you know, its own sad story. And it's a sad story because it's a story that could have been avoided. Um, you know, and I've seen and worked with businesses even this year that have had great services and they go out of business because they couldn't survive a data breach. I was reading a study in Inc. Magazine that reported that, um, you know, a data breach for a small business is a death sentence. That's what they wrote, because nearly 60 percent of those businesses will go out of business within six months. And I've seen it happen. But it doesn't have to be that way, because a proper data protection program will take the risk of a data breach from 100 percent down to the single digits because the, the program safeguards the future from attack. Perfect. And I think that's very helpful. Um, I just want, are there any other broader processes or practices or policies that businesses can, can introduce in the, almost like the day-to-day of how they operate that can help them safeguard themselves for the future? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I think it starts with knowing the laws and the regulations that you should comply with. So when you have a cloud service or if you're a UC operator, where are your customers located? What laws do you have to comply with to serve those customers? You know, do you have a legal register? Um, you know, you should have one. Do you perform systematic vulnerability scanning? Do you have an independent third party that does that? Um, do you perform penetration tests of your software for every major release? 
uh, for most companies that might be four times a year. You know, can you show and demonstrate a, a written uh, a risk assessment? When investigators come in, that's sometimes the first thing they'll want to see. Show me your written risk assessment. Uh, can you produce a roster that shows that all employees have taken data protection training? I was working with uh, an insurance company that was covering uh, a cloud service provider uh, just recently, and the, and the insurance company said, uh, give us the roster, show us the curriculum that every employee took when they were onboarded and show us that they repeated it annually. Uh, you know, has your business implemented MFA, multi-factor authentication across uh, all your key systems? Uh, do you have an incident response plan? Uh, do you do regular backups? Um, do you have business continuity and disaster recovery plans? Have you have you done tabletop uh, exercises? Uh, so you know I'll stop there. The list goes on and on. But those are the kinds of good practices that a that a proper data protection program implements and it monitors as well. Perfect. Well, that, I'm sure the like, uh, viewers and the customers will find that very helpful. Um, I, I guess the final question before I go, I was I was really interested by one of the services that Alan DeVoe provides, which is Data Protection as a Service, DPAS. Can you please explain mm -hmm. in a bit more detail how that works practically? Yeah, certainly. So we call it Data Protection as a Service, so we abbreviate it by calling it DPAS. Um, and it's, it's where we take everything a business needs to do, and it's in uh, a proper package. Um, we, we like to just charge one simple fixed price per month, and then we do everything that a business needs uh, to comply with data protection law. You know, so you know, everybody always wonders, well, how much do you charge? It depends upon the size of your organization. You know, some organizations uh, you know, charge, or we charge about uh, the price of one headcount per month. Uh, larger organizations, it could be two headcounts per month. But it's a great program because, you know, instead of paying twenty five thousand for a pen test, you know, it's 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 part, you know, you get pen testing and vulnerability scanning and legal compliance and everything all in this data protection uh, as a service uh, program. You know, instead of it's like this, instead of hiring that 85th or 86th headcount, you hire us instead. And we construct a team of privacy attorneys and cyber attorneys and you know, cybersecurity practitioners and business continuity experts and policy experts. It's, it's this pool of resources that you will feel like are part of your internal team. And so, you know, going back to my father's an analogy of his construction company that uh, surgically remodeled uh, the floors of, of hotels, that's what we do. Our DPAS service goes into your business. You know, you'll love how it looks uh, when it's done and I realize these topics are probably like nebulous black boxes to, to many of, of uh, the, the folks that we initially start working with. And, and we get that and, and we, we help a business really have a better understanding of how this all works and how it comes together. And I love when people look back, you know, 10 or 11 months from the starting point to where they go. Uh, and they're so glad that they did it because um, businesses are protected, they're compliant. And they have differentiators that set them apart from uh, competitors when uh, we hold your hand through the entire process, you know, until the training wheels can be taken off. So that's what our DPAS service accomplishes. Perfect. No, that, that's really helpful. Thank you. I always find it fascinating when something like data protection can often, um, at times be almost quite intimidating as quite an abstract concept. But these as a as a service, almost product, productized versions really help 
not simplify it, but just explain it in clearer terms that really helps maybe you know, people understand and implement it so much more successfully. So that is fascinating. Thank you. Exactly. Um, um, but I think that's what we got time for today. But I've really enjoyed this session. It's been very helpful to myself and hopefully it's been helpful to, to you, you, the viewer. So um, thank you for Dr. Scott for being here today. Thank you. I appreciate and it. If, and if you enjoyed this video, uh, please give us a like and share on social media and we'll see you next time. I've been Kieran of UC Today. Thanks for watching.